Hey, what's up? I know it's been a very long time since I put an episode out, and uh, I do apologize about that, and that'll be the last time that happens. Uh, I got caught up with a lot of stuff, um, and it took a long time for me to, to for me to go back to some of these episodes I recorded recently and edit them and all that. And uh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Everyone kept asking me and asking me, and I kept putting it off, and uh, finally I'm back at it. So today I'll be releasing an episode I recorded with Charlie Vela. He had reached out to me, um, said he wanted to do an episode, and I'm always down for that. So I met up with him. We met up at Sound of Rain Studios in Edinburgh, and uh, we recorded an episode there. And uh, it was awesome. Where I learned a lot about the local music scene, not just you know the music scene here, like in the, the recent times, but about um, the 60s and 70s and older eras of music since he's shooting uh the documentary as i walk through the valley um he found he learned about a lot of the local um music history he talks about that in the in the episode and it's very 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 interesting so y'all definitely need to check this episode out um and also want a quick shout out to everyone who's you know was kept egging me on to uh put out the next episode Again, sorry and apologies to everyone for, for waiting for so long. And uh, also rest in peace to Carrie Fisher. Uh, 2016 took a lot of people and uh, it sucks. So uh, this is going to be episode 10 with Charlie Vela. We made it to 10 fucking episodes. Um, there might be like a cricket or some shit you might hear in the background. And uh, we didn't think it was going to come out, but turns out it came out very slightly. So it might sound like we're outside and like or some shit <laughs> but uh anyways it, it came out really well um it was pretty long but it's really well worth worth it with a lot of cool information and shit so y'all check it out this is episode 10 of charlie villa <laughs> up i am here with uh charlie vela and uh what you been up to how you been i've been been good man yeah. we're here at the studio right now and um it's been been kind of a crazy year like um you know we've been doing projects here mm-hmm. been working on documentary and being a dad for the first time so it's Congrats been pretty pretty nuts that's awesome <laughs> everybody everybody's like oh you know 2016 when's it shit gonna be over or whatever but yeah. it's been been a nuts year like for sure yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of good things too uh, in this podcast, we like to get nostalgic as fuck on this thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm all about that. All <laughs> so, about that. And uh, we we're talking right now earlier, and uh, just you talking about how long you've been part of the scene. Like, like what, what was your first show like, or how did you become involved in the scene? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for for having me on the show. Like, hey, no problem, dude. Uh, I've really I've been enjoying listening to other episodes because like yeah. you're talking to a bunch of people, and people are like waxing super nostalgic about like 2006 and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Which is just crazy to me, because like yeah. to me, 2006 is like, oh man, that's like real late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but uh, the first the first kind of like introduction to the scene, uh, I had some friends, and they told me like, hey, there's this punk 
ska show going down mm-hmm. at Trenton Point. And I must have been in junior high or something like that. So this this must have been like 1996. Mm-hmm. Um, and we piled in some dude's car and like, you know, everybody's driving. And uh, we drive, like I lived in Westlaco. So like from Westlaco all the way to Edinburgh here. And um, we get there and it's like some kid's birthday party. Yeah. Because Trenton Point was this hall that you could rent out for anything. So they would have quinceañeras there. They'd have birthday mm-hmm. parties there, graduation, family reunion, all that crap. Yeah. And uh, I, either we were just like on the wrong day or the wrong weekend or something. But, you know, there was no way to know that. You just kind of like got in your car and hope that there was something there when you got there. Uh, I, I just to interrupt real quick. I mentioned that in one of the episodes because um, well, I don't know if I posted it, but sometimes I didn't even know when there was a show. Right. Like at Training Point, at Training Point I'd be like, okay, let's see what there is. And then sometimes I'd be surprised it'd be like a death metal show or a punk show or something. It would be anything. Yeah. It'd be and totally anything. Yeah, I, I was mentioning, yeah, because with social media, now you know what's going to happen and like what kind of show it's going to be, who's playing. But back then, you didn't know. You, could, be you can be interested and not show up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like back then, you would go just hoping that something was there. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like whether or not it was there. But so like... I, so I'd heard about that show and like, and we went and there was nothing there and I was kind of like, oh, there's like, there's shows like what, you know, yeah, yeah. it's not a thing. They're just fucking, somebody's messing with us or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, a few months later I, uh, met, met, met a dude who lives here at Edinburgh and he was friends with this girl named Yadi Arroyo and she was the drummer for a band called the retarded flies. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, a band that Eric Lopez, Eric yeah. fly was in yeah. and that's where he got his, that's where he got his last name mm-hmm. fly. Uh, and they would hang out and practice at this guy's house. Like he had a kind of a detached pool house kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they would jam. And it's like, you know, it's like a room with a carpet, you know, and they, they yeah, bring yeah. their stuff in there and jam. And so I would hang out there like every weekend because this uh, this guy, Mark Medina, this guy's house it was, mm-hmm. he, uh, he was really into like studio stuff, music technology. And I was like all about that, even yeah. though I wasn't really like in bands per se i just was really Mm -hmm. interested in that stuff so um through them we found out about oh they have shows they do have shows at trend point it's not like made up yeah and (laughs) they have shows here at at, uh at uh, utrgv pan am at the time utpa at the at the circle which is like this um this kind of like brick and concrete area with like a fountain i remember that okay i remember and, like going to some of those yeah and they, they they've been having actually it turns out they've been having shows there since like the 60s mm-hmm. that's been like a thing forever but uh at you know at this point in like the mid late 90s or whatever uh these you know pop punk bands and stuff mm-hmm. were playing there and so uh I, I basically got into the scene following the retarded flies eric's mm-hmm. band around and going and hanging out then you meet people and and pretty much like that becomes your entire like world very quickly yeah, yeah you definitely. know especially especially uh because i was going to high school at SciTech in mercedes and so we had people from all over the valley going out of the same high school and uh and so you you meet kind of the weird kids from everywhere yeah, yeah and uh it becomes a lot easier to form bands with people from like other cities than yeah. you would if you went to your home high school because like you have to like just cross your fingers that somebody's like into the same stuff you're into definitely yeah and and you know all the kids pretty much in my class were all the nerdy weird kid from their school mm-hmm. so you just have more just in clicked, common you right, click yeah. you have overlapping interests and stuff so it wasn't long before like i started playing with some friends and we started uh you know playing shows at you know in the late 90s and stuff mm-hmm. um what was the first band the f- that you were in? Well, I was in I was in a couple of bands that like you know played like one show like oh, a okay. school dance and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. We played yeah, like there, I, yeah. I was in a band with uh, this is in junior uh, no I must have been in 
seventh grade, maybe even sixth grade, mm-hmm. uh, a good friend of mine was going here to uh, Beta, which was like the teacher academy at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got a gig playing one of these, one of the like school dances, and we played like all Nirvana covers. Yeah. I didn't even own a drum set. I rented a drum set from oh, this music store in Harlingen called Sherry John. So like my mom had to drive me all the way out to oh, Harlingen to rent a drum set. And then you got to load it in. Load it in. <laughs> With no symbols, so what? we played this show with like a drum set, and no symbols, and and all Nirvana songs. We knew like five songs, four songs, and then yeah, yeah. like we just like played two or three of them again. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty, you know. It's, I mean, they, people were into it. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were like, you know, your your like adrenaline's up, your heart's yeah. beating, your ears and stuff. You're like, oh god, are we gonna beat us up? Uh, but. But yeah, so like that was like the first thing. But the first like band in the scene scene that I was like mm-hmm. really playing in was this band called Epicure. And uh, I met um, two other dudes um, in my high school. There are two guys from, uh, one's from Harlingen, one's from Brownsville, uh, uh, Toby Perez and uh, David Cortez. Mm-hmm. And I was brought on like just to record a song for them. They had another drummer and they came over to my house and uh, we were going to just record this song just for the fun of it and their drummer just like apparently wasn't like into their band or just didn't even care to show up yeah yeah so i ended up just playing drums on the song and uh we recorded it and it was like fun we had a really good time hanging out so Mm -hmm. we just kind of like hey let's just be in a band you know and play some shows and i had been playing with some other dudes um in this other thing but like one of the uh one of the the guys was like not ready to play he's like oh we need to practice more we need to practice more he's kind of like a little nervous about performing so uh it was my my really good friend jason stole he uh like he's the best man at my wedding like we're still friends so okay uh but he you know he just wasn't like ready to play in front of people so so i was kind of like well these guys want to play like you know if you guys (laughs) don't want to play like i think i'm going to be in this band so uh we we did that band for a couple years and then uh we turned it that that band eventually turned into the December Drive, which is the band I was in for like ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then actually Jason joined the band as the bass player for oh, okay. after that. Like he kind of yeah, like, yeah. okay, like, it's, like I'm, I'm ready, ready, to, I'm ready to play some shows. You know? <laughs> now that you're established. And, and <laughs> it was good. And like it was it was really good to like be in the band with him again. Definitely, like I, yeah. he's one of my favorite people in the world. So um so yeah, that was that was like the main I, I think like for my time, you know, yeah. in the scene or whatever, that was the majority of it was like playing in that band. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I remember like in high school, a lot of people would like be mentioning you, like people that didn't even go to shows, but somehow got a copy of the CD. Oh, cool! And like it passed around, and like it, it was cool because you wouldn't really see that with a lot of local bands here. I mean, it, unless like people that went to shows, they knew what bands which. Uh-huh. But then like when it was like came to other people that wouldn't go out, mm-hmm. but somehow like still had like copies of the CDs of local bands. Right. Like December Drive was one of them, and uh, it, it was pretty cool. Like, it, it was it was a lot of fun, man. Like it was it was there's there's always kind of this like mantle of like the cool band mm-hmm. in the scene or whatever, and that just like just jumps from band to band, you yeah. know. Like and it just it's for it's like for as long as the valley's been the valley, you know, mm-hmm. always the cool band, and like we got to be the cool band for a minute. Yeah, yeah. And that was really great. Like it was the shows were very exciting. It was a lot of fun to record those songs, mm-hmm. and um and like that was that was part of like that was something that we got to do that was not a lot of other bands got to do is we got yeah. since we had some of the you know we had some of that studio stuff at our disposal because mm-hmm. i was really into that even back then you know i had like a four track recorder and so you recorded it you recorded all of it or yeah i mean yeah a, a, everything that 
that the December Drive ever put out, like mm-hmm. I recorded. And sometimes we recorded it at my parents' house. Sometimes we recorded it uh, in some other studios here in the Valley. Like okay. we would record drums in a studio because I didn't mm-hmm. have, I had like two microphones or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and so we would do the drums and then I would take it back to my house and I would be like on my, you know, e-machines PC with, with like Cakewalk, you know, whatever. Like just the free shit I downloaded. Yeah. <laughs> putting it together and um and you know just try experimenting and trying yeah things and that's stuff. all everyone like everyone i know records yeah. started out in that same way yeah. like very just downloading certain things and only, only being limited to like the, what you can get right. from the from the download but see, software it's crazy because this was like right when the internet was like becoming a thing yeah so this is like 2000 1999 2000 you know so like i had the internet at my house but it was like dial up you know yeah dude dial up it was really really slow so (laughs) it was a you know we 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 would uh, you know record our first songs and we would upload them to a website called mp3.com like that was an actual place yeah you know so like uh there wasn't it wasn't like um the way that the way that bands kind of get their music out now just Mm -hmm. didn't exist back then so the internet was cool, but we were only using it to talk to other people in the valley. Like that's all we cared about. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it wasn't until a few years later when you know MySpace and things like that happened that you could, mm-hmm. as a band, push your music outside of the valley. So mm-hmm. we all our all the message boards were all local. All of the band websites were just concerned with being local. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that wasn't that wasn't like a concept to like put your music out on the internet. Like yeah, it just yeah. wasn't a thing. So. Uh, so yeah, we were you know we were recording stuff there at my parents' house and stuff, and we had a uh, we had this the people who li- who lived in the house before we did had one of those like big RV campers, okay. you know like a, just a big old fucking trailer thing. Yeah. And so they had built a um, a place to store it, and so it was like basically like this really tall garage thing, mm-hmm. and we didn't have a camper. So one at some point, my parents I guess got sick of us like practicing in the house. Yeah, and so they're like, we're gonna go to like McCoy's and buy some boards, and we're gonna seal <laughs> up that thing, and you guys can like go out there. And so, so I was like, cool, that's great, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so we did that, and then it was like, oh well, it's a thousand degrees during the summer in there, so we yeah. cut out a little hole and put a little window unit in there, and it's like, okay, great, you know? It's like, hey, it's real loud in there. Can we like maybe put a little cheapy carpet down or something? Yeah. So like, put a little you know shitty carpet in there, and it's like cool so let, like let's paint it you know like and, and eventually <laughs> yeah. it turned into my first studio and so i i uh had a place to record my band mm-hmm. which was like i just wanted to record stuff like i didn't even yeah I, you know my band i was like yeah i got a band i can always practice on you know yeah definitely and eventually um somebody else i'm trying to think of like the first band that hit me up about recording them you know it might have been mm-hmm. the spick me kids um what year was that? <laughs> this, would have, this would have been like 97. 97? 97, 98. Um, and, and so like without really knowing what I was doing, like I've yeah. never recorded more than one song before and they wanted to do like, a, you know, a demo, you know, like yeah. eight songs or something like that. And uh, and so they're like, we you know, pay you 50 bucks. And I was like, cool. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Awesome. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, and that's just kind of how I started. You just, you know, the more stuff you record, the more stuff you put out, the more people hit you up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and really at that time, like for bands like here, the, the, the computer stuff existed, but it wasn't like super accessible or easy to use. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I had like, like I said, I had like a free version of Cakewalk, which is like sonar now, I think is what it's called. But, um, 
I would record it through my like Sound Blaster card. You know, like I didn't have an interface or whatever. You know, yeah, recorded yeah. more than one track at a time, and and neither did anybody else. Like if you wanted that, it was like twenty thousand dollars. Like forget it. You know. Yeah. yeah. So. And and so and people had four tracks. So like uh, um, Arno Garza from yeah, yeah. he, I mean he was recording bands like way before me. Yeah, I remember uh, um, DTD. We recorded with him like a very rough demo, yeah. and with him when we heard it, it was like this is the best thing ever because like we were just so happy. Like I love man. He records at Red Barn out uh-huh. in, out in uh, Mission. I, I fucking love the stuff he does. Like I I I remember being a kid and he's like looking up to him like so much. Yeah. Not only was he like, a badass drummer. Yeah. But uh, his his recordings were awesome and he's yeah. super nice. And it was funny because I, I remember like I would see him drum like for different bands uh-huh. and shit. And I, when I was younger and I was like, man, this guy kills it on the drums. And he's a really nice guy, too. And then it was funny it's because like, like teddy bear. He's the, yeah, <laughs> the proudest thing that like that I was about with him is because he lived in far, like a couple streets from my house. Oh, really? Like, oh, this is a dude from far. Yes. Like this is like someone <laughs> from like my area. You know what yeah. I mean? And like it just like gave me more inspiration to continue like whatever musical endeavors I had. Right, so, right. Like it's I mean, I don't think he's. I don't think I've ever told him that, but like you know, it's just yeah, it's it's funny. I, I I actually like for a long time I like admired him, but I was kind of afraid of him yeah. until I really got to know. You know, he's super nice and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, I think like it was like last year I finally got to do work on something with him, mm-hmm. which was the Confused record that we did, yeah. and the, he had just come from playing some like tour with annex he was yeah he was yeah, out for like a while they were playing a like a, a fest up in new york and he got he like got in the day before or something like that and he just like drove <laughs> oh, in came and fucking killed it like he's yeah. just a machine like, without missing a beat god yeah. damn he's so good <laughs> like he's one of those guys when you see them play you're just like well i quit like yeah. you know um but but you know, so he had been recording for a while before mm-hmm. me since the early 90s, I believe. And so people had four tracks and people had very simple computer stuff. But that was right around the time that it was becoming like accessible. So there uh, right now people can record themselves like you can get the stuff very easily mm-hmm. and you can um, you can do something, you know. Yeah. But back then it was like it was a little bit um, it was a little bit more difficult to get your foot in the door. And all the local studios at the time we're all at the Hano Studios. Like there was, there was, not really like a place for bands in that scene. Mm-hmm. This like kind of pop punk, hardcore scene or whatever, uh, to go record. That was like a professional studio, quote unquote. Or whatever. Yeah. Like, would, you always hear stories about like, oh, we would go and they would like they wouldn't even let us into the control room. They would just like they wouldn't let us like change the tuning of the drums they had like they wouldn't take them serious they had though. yeah exactly they yeah. had they had their kind of like the hano settings on the oh, board like, oh, that they would okay. never touch mm-hmm. and they'd be like well like they're too comfortable with that yeah or, or they didn't know. understand the sound that the bands okay. were after yeah, and yeah. didn't care yeah <laughs> you know because it's like <laughs> well you know fucking grupo maz is gonna come in for like two months and you guys want to like record your whole demo in two hours like yeah, yeah. you know what well, fuck you you know what <laughs> no I, although to be fair like i've gotten to know some of these guys like over the years and yeah, yeah, and yeah. i see it now it's just like they just didn't understand yeah of course and it's really easy to dismiss young kids you know it's like it's like i've like i think i think i know plenty of people my age in the scene who i see do it all the time Mm-hmm. And then you have to be like, hey, 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 like what you're saying yeah. about them is the exact same thing they said about us. So like, yeah, yeah you know, maybe cool it or whatever. Um, so so the studios weren't really accessible. So to me, it was really important to like give all those bands like a place to go mm-hmm. and in and, and a place where they could be welcome. Or like, you know, I maybe didn't know what I was doing yet very well, yeah, yeah. but at least I was trying 
to yeah, give them you're what opening. They you're like trying to open a gate, right? You know, like and 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 I think I think at like the end of the day, even today, like that's the best. If you're at you're doing your best work, if you're uh, trying to help the band achieve what they want, whether you mm-hmm. land there or not, or you come up with something completely different or whatever, like that's what you should always be aiming for. Yeah, yeah. and and um, and you know, and I wanted. I wanted to be able to provide that for the scene. And then like when I saw other people getting interested in recording and stuff like mm-hmm. that, I wanted to try to help them as much as I could. Cause I felt like I couldn't call up like, you know, Joe studio owner here in, you know, at the Hano studio. Yeah. Like yeah, they yeah. wouldn't, why would they talk to me? You know, like, yeah, exactly. I'm 15 or why or would 16. they like try to give you like tips? Yeah. And, and like at that, the yeah. time it was very like competitive in an ugly way. Mm-hmm. And, um, in the recording thing anyway, like, you know, it's like, well, if you're, if that band goes with you, then they're not going with me. Oh, okay. And why should I help you then? Yeah. And and really, like, if the only reason somebody's hiring you is because you're the only person in town, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is they're not like interested in the quality of work. That's not yeah. a win. You're just you're yeah. just the, you're just there. Exactly. You know? And and uh, and it should really be about like you know a, a kind of like a community of people who are recording mm-hmm. and helping each other out and like i work on stuff that other engineers work on and vice versa you know like well and bands like you know have a million and nine reasons why they do the record the way they do yeah so yeah. like and none of it ha- and almost none of it has to do with like you or whether or not they yeah, like yeah. you or your studio or whatever it's budget it's so and so can't be here until this day uh we want to do part of it over here part of it at home part of it you know whatever it's like a million mm-hmm. ways to record now so but back then they did not exist, so yeah, yeah. Um, there wasn't like a place for the scene to go. W- when did you like start upgrading your equipment, or when you start seeing like a change in the quality of recordings that you're? Well, doing? I mean, like I got, I got like it was m- must have been two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the year I graduated from high school, and uh, the first like Mac G fours came out, um, and that was like a really serious computer that you could buy for your home, mm-hmm. and uh, Pro Tools released their first non uh tdm version which with tdm is like cards that go inside the computer and these like special boxes you know you need to basically build this twenty thousand dollar system to record okay and they released a version of it that was like eight tracks and or you could record eight eight tracks at a time Mm -hmm. and you could uh buy it for like under i think it was like under six hundred dollars oh wow and so I might be wrong about that. It's been, yeah, it's been yeah, a while, yeah. but like it was affordable. Yeah. And exactly. so like, and, and, uh, and I, I don't even think I learned how to drive until I was 19 or something. Cause like I was always going to shows. So my friends mm-hmm. would always drive me everywhere. Like we would always go to the show together. Yeah. So like I had no reason to learn how to drive and it's just carful. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was, and it was, uh, you know, the kind of thing where my parents were like, well, you're graduating. Like, do you want a car? Like, nope. <laughs> I, I, I want a computer and I want this interface. And they're yeah, like, yeah. Okay. I guess, you know, it's like cheaper, way cheaper than a car. Okay. Here you go. Yeah. And, uh, and so that, that was like, uh, a big moment cause I could record, you know, more tracks and I had a computer mm-hmm. system. And back then dude, pirating plugins was like so easy. Uh, I don't do that shit anymore, but like it was so easy <laughs> back then. So you could, uh, you know, have whatever like shitty plugins were available at that time. And yeah, so I was about to ask you like if it was frustrating or anything, like trying to put it together. Um, a l- no, no, no. I mean, like I always like to take shit apart, and like oh, I've okay. always been really into that uh, that side of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's the building stuff, putting computers together. You know, all the tech stuff I really like. But uh, I remember um, buying. It was like a. Oh God, it must have been like a 50 gig hard drive or something like that. Not Maybe not even. Maybe it was like a two gigabyte hard drive. Oh my it was God. Something, it was something ridiculously yeah, small. Yeah, yeah. And and that was like, holy shit. 
Like I was fucking two gigabyte hard drive, and I can record it. Like I can record a whole record on this, or yeah. like you know, two whole wow. records. On it. And then you back it up to CDs for like a week. Yeah, you know, um, and and that that was like a big jump in like the quality of stuff I could do because that thing for being inexpensive, it was the first one that was like that that was affordable for the home mm. markets. So they kind of overbuilt it. And I think everything they released after that was like not as good as that. Like they're kind of oh, okay, oh shoot, yeah. we made it too good. Yeah, got, yeah, yeah, nobody's yeah. buying our expensive thing anymore. <laughs> so they 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 made the next one kind of shittier. Um, and and so yeah, we were able to you know record core myself and you pick up some mics and mm-hmm. you know you just uh, pretty much like every every record I've ever done or any band I've ever recorded like whatever they pay me, I turn that around and like put something back into the studio. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's just kind of like. Mm-hmm. If I didn't make, if it wasn't my job, if it wasn't something I did for a living, it would be like the most expensive hobby you could ever have. Yeah. And, uh, and that would really, really, you know, I don't know if I could have stayed married if I was like spending that much on yeah. my studio and I wasn't like <laughs> making a living at it. Um, there's like an old, there's like a joke about like how, it's like, how do you make a million dollars owning a studio? It's like, you start with $2 million. <laughs> because everything because you'll just it's a money pit you know like you'll always be upgrading something or whatever and so this was like uh when i got that computer and stuff was like around oh one oh two and uh that's when i started working on uh the december drives first full length uh which was like a huge huge project we worked on it for a very long time Mm -hmm. and um and then uh i did like a a, i'm trying to think like there were so many bands on that time i did like gallows holier than the cross Oh, Gallows recorded the uh, the, the 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 album. I think they yeah. re-released it like last year. Uh, I remember like just getting a copy like in two thousand and three. Yeah, or four. they they, like, they had recorded they recorded something with this guy Johnny who okay. had a had a venue um in in Mission called Tony's mm-hmm. Tony's Cafe. He recorded a demo with them, and then I recorded an album with them after that. Does that one have that one had Paperweight Champion? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah no. And and actually, well, because Gallows had like a reunion a year or two ago. Yeah, they they played they played yeah. at uh at Space Sixteenth and it was like that's right it was fucking yeah. epic like it was it yeah. was such a hard, like heavy show Dude. I haven't seen there were all these people there who were totally you know eight years old when Gallows played their last show yeah yeah but they were just going nuts in this parking lot yeah. and uh and they they re released their their record or they yeah. pressed some printed some more of them and, and had them there um uh did this band called the malcontent party dude malcontent party i remember <laughs> uh i was getting into hardcore at that uh-huh. time right and i was like man i wish i could like i wish there was a, a band like that but at that time you know i didn't know anything about shows i didn't know any like about confuse or catastrophe right or all these other bands so i remember my friend was like yo uh there's gonna be a punk show I, I was like oh is it really a punk show or is it gonna be like something else like no it's a punk show i was like all right so we, we walk in and we walk in Malcontent Party is playing. Were they Malcontent Party at the time? Were they We Suck yeah. at the time? No, this was already like Malcontent okay, Party. It was like, yeah, it was about 03, 04. Uh-huh. And then uh, I walk in and I see them. I'm like, holy shit. Like, this band is so good. Right. And then uh, they had that too, too hardcore. Too hardcore for, for you. Yeah, Did he have the dude. sign? Yeah, he had the sign. Mark yeah, used dude. to have the sign. It's a t- it was like a for sale sign. It was a too hardcore yeah, yeah. for you. And it was he was like, training point. hold Everybody it up. Had the sign. Yeah, man. They were, they were. That was the first band I sang along to. Like, it's like, they, you know, they're like, they had the sign with the lyrics. I, I want to say they were, they were like maybe the second scene band at that time that I got mm-hmm. to know because Mark and his brother Andrew both went to Med High, I believe. But they were like two or three grades older than me. So, like, they were the cool older kids or whatever. Yeah. So, I would see them because. Uh, you know, that school would do a couple of events every year where they had bands play. Mm-hmm. So I saw them there and then I would start seeing them at like Trenton Point shows and Pan Am shows. And um, and they were intense. They were like a very uh, energetic yeah. band. Mark was really um, 
charismatic on stage. Yeah. He really knew how to like talk to a crowd, how to get a crowd going. He was very like inspirational when he yeah, talked. That's, that's, that's how he drew me in yeah. because like just his stage presence, the things he was saying. And I was like, fuck, like I hit the gold mine. Yeah, <laughs> with no. this band. He had, he had, it was, it was that kind of like, whoa, this guy's like really smart. Huh? I remember, yeah. I remember, <laughs> I remember thinking that like, you know, being kind of like dazzled at his intellect. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even today I think back on some of the stuff he would talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 I interviewed, we interviewed him, uh, for the, for the documentary about a year and a half ago. Um, up in Austin and just talking to him again and and kind of like hearing him uh, talk about that time and those ideas yeah, yeah. and stuff and I was like oh still got it still got it yeah. he drinks now <laughs> which is the main difference between Mark now and Mark then he used to be super straight edge oh, okay. and uh, and uh, and now he's not yeah. which you know maybe an improvement it, it lines up a little bit yeah, yeah. but uh, he was uh, Mark and uh, this uh, this woman named Becky Guzman and mm. um Bobby Inc. from Ink Bag and like uh, Dennis and some of these other there was there's like a group of people at that time who were mm-hmm. uh, saying like hey we should start like organizing and throwing more shows and that was yeah, that yeah. was the union back in like I guess like 98 99 so that was like there. the beginning of the union yeah that was the beginning of the union I mean like it was I mean there were obviously there were shows there's been shows going back to the mm-hmm. 60s and stuff here but um, they were it was like one of the first times there was like an organized collective effort yeah, to yeah. have shows on a regular basis instead yeah. of just kind of like whenever um whenever it's possible like i've we talked to people from like the 80s scene like people like and confused and mm-hmm. uh fart blossoms from uranus so you know art nava art nava i don't he's I don't uh so. he's uh he was a guitarist for <clears throat> fart blossoms and and jason levine was also a singer for fart blossoms and like they just talk about back then it's like there would be three or four months between shows oh wow longer sometimes yeah. you have like one show a year two shows a year because there was no like where to go and uh and so they would just like improvise they would improvise venues they would like uh throw shows at like abandoned buildings and like they would rent out the palmer pavilion and um the sun palace here in edinburgh used to Mm -hmm. host a lot of shows until the owner got like shot in the parking lot or something crazy got killed uh but but they would you know it's like anywhere they could find a place but there was like no regular places until until in the early 90s uh they found trenton point and Mm -hmm. then by the late 90s it was kind of an established place where bands could go and and these people and a bunch of others kind of said like okay well hey let's all like pitch in a little bit of money make a pot and we're just going to make up make it so that we can have a show a month at least mm-hmm. and then it's you know kind of snowballed into a much more regular thing and i think springboarded a lot of people now who are in the scene and like um a lot of people who are kind of like you know have been throwing shows for a while either had some sort of passing contact with that organization. Like it informed a lot of the stuff that happened after it um, in Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, in ways that maybe people aren't even aware of, like, you know, um, in terms of just kind of like being like, yeah, you can do this. Like you can throw shows. Yeah. Like just encouraging other people to partake. Yeah. Making it like not, not like this thing that happens in other places where you don't even like, how do they do that? You know, it's like demystifying it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me kill this. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. No, yeah, um, I started, like, noticing uh, now, um, I mean, me and Adam have been doing our thing, and we started noticing that now there's younger kids, there's younger and younger kids now, like, putting on shows. Get used and to that. Yeah, and, it's, <laughs> and, it's, and it's, it's crazy because, like, for so long, we were the young ones. Right. But now we're, like, getting becoming, like, the older dudes. Yeah. And I'm, it's, like, it's weird because I have, like, I'm real proud because, like, it's still going, and it's still going to go. Oh, you know, and it like, will. I mean, like, yeah, it's, it it's older than all of us. Definitely. It's way older than all of us, and... uh 
and that was like actually the crazy thing when we started um the documentary uh my really close friend ronnie garza and i we started um working on this documentary almost two years ago mm-hmm. like actually a little more than two years ago and it was this conversation we, we were just kind of like we were i was walking my dog and we're just chatting and it was like man you know somebody really should t- tell a story of the union like that's that's, that's yeah. the earliest we knew that's like all yeah, we knew yeah. and uh it's like yeah yeah we totally you know you know somebody should totally do that somebody should totally do that and there's this thing that uh if if you say that somebody should do something more than like a couple of times that means you have to do it because yeah. nobody else is going to do it it's important you know to mm-hmm. you and so like we're like yeah yeah like i have a like a camera and like we know everybody pretty much you know yeah, yeah. we could do this like sh- we could finish this movie in like two or three months and it's like two years later right because like you, <laughs> you talk to somebody and then they say like oh you should talk to this person and talk mm-hmm. to that person and you just follow that and then you're like oh crap i'm in the 60s now yeah <laughs> Talk, talking to some old dude about like their you know their garage bands or whatever and it's like what how did this happen like and then just um like how did how did it get to that point like who like was there a certain person that you were talking to and they're like you should talk to this yeah actually the the big like watershed moment was um when we went to uh what was it we went to simon says mm-hmm. and there was a band that was playing there that had like not played in a long time this band called shaft el grupo de rock <laughs> and I remember them vaguely from back in the day and they happened to be getting together like right after we decided to do this. And I was like, oh, we should go. You know? Yeah. And uh, and while we were there, uh, Ronnie was talking to some somebody kind of in the back is chatting this lady up and kind of mentioned what we we're there doing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, you should talk to my cousin. He's um, the singer for this band Confused. And Confused has been around since like the mid 80s mm-hmm. in the scene, mid, mid late 80s. And. I knew Confused in the late nineties, uh, when I was going to shows and I knew the singer of Confused to be Omar Yanez. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's the only singer for Confused I have ever known. Oh, okay. And so she says, Yeah, my cousin, uh, his name's Al. I'm like and then he tells me this. He's like, Oh, she says we should interview I was like, Who the fuck's Al? <laughs> and you know, Al Del Barrio and he yeah, yeah. uh we got introduced to him. Fucking awesome dude. Dude, yeah. Such such a a kind, like energetic generous person like yeah. just wonderful human being but we got introduced to him and we interviewed him and then i was like oh my god like confused has been around since the 80s what <laughs> you know and so he's like oh you should talk to this other guy this art nova guy and so we found we get tracked down art yeah and we talked to art and then we talked to oi steve and then we talked to um and actually art is the one who tell uh, art and oi steve tell us about this band from the 70s called the steroids I was listening to Bobby's uh, podcast mm-hmm. and he mentioned them. Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. tell us about the steroids yeah. and we're like, holy shit, the steroids. So we track them down. And yeah. then like they live all over the country and stuff now. Like wow. a few of them passed away and the other the other three live in, two of them live here in Texas, one lives in California. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we tracked them down and then we had, you know, heard about the garage scene in the 60s so we tracked those guys down. Mm-hmm. And, and then we start talking to some of these like, um, some of these Chicano bands from the 70s as well. And so, like, we're like, holy shit, like, all this is connected. Like, they're all yeah. all connected. Like, I mean, you, so, so, yeah, like, basically, Al was the thing that, like, oh, God, it's, like, way bigger than we, like, ever imagined. Yeah. And then, um, and then it was kind of, like, filling in that space in between. Yeah, and, definitely. But it, anything, any kind of project like that, like, you're going to learn way more you need than to you bargain for. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> 
And so, and so like at this point, like I, I think it's pretty fair to say we have like the largest like collection of Valley music mm-hmm. in one place. Uh, well, maybe not largest. I think that if we're talking like all Valley music, I think that the, the San Benito historical museum has mm-hmm. more music than we do, but theirs is all kind of like everywhere and crazy. Ours is like organized. Oh, okay. And and so they have all this like f- music from like the forties on, you know, like all the Falcon records, Big O records, Ideal records, like all those kind of like, there were, there were all these indie labels. There are all these like indie, um, uh, you know, ranchera labels and stuff back, yeah, back yeah. during that time, orquesta and stuff like that. And they, uh, they were all recording like here in the lower Valley like the first record pressing plant in the state of Texas was in San Benito. Oh wow! Is uh, the Ideal plant, and they they so they would get tapes in from all over the place, and, mm-hmm. and they would. Uh, Were they getting like major recording artists? Well, see, too, or just, uh, we, just Texas. We talked to this this woman, uh, uh, Doctor Kathy Ragland. She's an ethnomusicologist uh, at UNT. She used to teach here at at um, at UTPA, mm-hmm. and she was saying that like back in I guess this was around World War Two, that all the major labels had subsidiary labels to release gospel and blues and ranchera music. They were called race records. Oh, cause like, yeah. you know, RCA wasn't going to release, uh-huh. you know, uh, 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 Lydia Mendoza or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. they were going to like put it on the subsidiary label and then let that, them let them release it. Mm-hmm. And so, so this was kind of going on at that time. And then, you know, people like, uh, either records was, uh, Paco Betancourt and, uh, and uh, who's the other dude? Um, oh man, I know the other guy's name. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, like the dudes from the Ideal Records were like, oh well, you know, the bands that they thought that RCA and Capital thought were like authentic were actually from like San Antonio, Houston. Like we got the people from like here, so they started recording people from here. Yeah, and and so like it's like a it's a different kind of take on that. Like that that music is very different. Um, stupid crickets uh very very different regionally you know so like yeah, even yeah. even like a few few hundred miles like there's a difference in the sound so like they're like oh well if you want the real shit like this is where the real yeah, shit yeah, is yeah, yeah. and and so they built these like the first like independent record labels in the area were all those were all those labels and then Falcon records i think was like when it like reached its high point you know mm-hmm. like that label was putting out not only were they putting out like that style of music like regional mexican music conjunto, um you know like ranchera cumbia and stuff like that but they were also putting out like psychedelic stuff they were putting out some rock and roll they were putting out like all this other stuff yeah, and yeah. you know they're were, they're were putting out like stuff in english and spanish rock music in spanish like was was a thing you know in mexico a huge thing in mexico and they were they were recording those bands here in off benson road at the old fuck wow. the, well fuck one started i think they were recording in the living room you know, like yeah, that, that whole DIY. Th- like uh, I saw, we saw. Uh, there's a documentary called Accordion Dreams. Have you ever seen Accordion Dreams? No, I haven't. And they interview uh, the son of Nano Ramirez, Nano Ramirez Jr. And they were the founders of Falcon. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that he remembers having to go and be out in the street mm-hmm. to like see if any cars were coming to like tell them like, okay, you guys can record. Start recording. No cars are coming. Wow. And they would do the take, and then like if a car came, they would start them because they. I don't think they had a tape recorder. It was like a direct. Like they would cut the record as they were recording when they first started. Yeah, you know what's funny? I I, I saw them with Cadillac Cadillac Records mm-hmm. and Muddy Waters when they re, like recorded him at a plantation. Right. Yeah, they recorded him off like the straight to they they cut they cut the the thing right as they were yeah yeah, yeah. Was a cut a record right yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> literally cut a record yeah. and and so like so yeah and then Falcon ended up becoming this huge thing down here and and they were um 
they were recording all these like you know big time artists and and uh they had this they had the biggest like coolest studio here in the valley definitely for a while Mm -hmm. for a few for many years and um then you know got sold bought and sold and stuff and, Mm -hmm. and now they're no more unfortunately but but man like they were I have like a huge Falcon Records collection now. <laughs> like, oh, you know, part part of part of the project is like you just start get interested in this. And it's like I never yeah, really like connected with that music that much when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't really grow up with a ton of it. Like it's kind of like on sometimes at family gatherings and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't until we started working on this project that I really connected with it uh, because I saw how it was so tied to Valley history, mm-hmm. and um, and. At the time in the seventies and stuff, when like the Chicano music was really happening in the seventies, mm-hmm. it was like hand in hand all the political movements that were going on down here. It's when the valley, um, when the valley power structure started shifting from being white owned to being Mexican run mm-hmm. or Mexican American run, Chicano run, and um, and the music reflected that change. Yeah, yeah. So uh, as so I was like, oh shit, like that music was like the rebellious music of the yeah, time it was like defining the 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 era right like and it was a it was about it was about taking these labels that were like um derogatory and um and drawing power from them so like you mm-hmm. know uh chicano apparently the roots of it are um it's a derogation like it's like it's like a way of saying somebody's like poor low class mm-hmm. and so you had these people who were like no like that's who i am you know like they yeah, they took yeah. it and they embraced it and same thing with the music it's like Oh, instead of like wanting to be, you know, Jimmy Page or whatever, they're just like, no, we're gonna play this music and we're gonna play it. But we, but we grew up on the Beatles, so we all have guitars and drums, so we're gonna play it on that. This traditional music, it's like it. Oh, it was man. about like learning about that history of it that made it uh, interesting to me for the first mm-hmm. time. Because when I was growing up, all I knew was like, you know, Grupo Maz or like you know Selena and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And at that point, the music progressed to be almost like the pop you know pop music of that of that era yeah, so it's yeah. like you you go from like it's like going from like Judas Priest to Poison yeah you know what i mean like it's the same it's the same kind of glitzed out you know it loses yeah. all of its kind of like rebellious energy yeah, yeah and so like but when you learn about that you're like oh shit this is awesome yeah yeah and, definitely and uh, like i mean like the like this when i heard when i saw the song that you guys did the 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 far, All streets of far yeah dude like I, I saw that i was like holy shit yeah. like that that fired me the fuck up because i i was like at just around that time i was you know i just like heard some of those corridos from oh, like okay. back back in the day and i was like yeah, reading yeah. learning about that event they had just had um around that same time they had a visual that i went to and i was like mm-hmm. i didn't even, i was like i didn't even know this shit happened down here yeah, yeah you know there's like so many so many kind of like elements of valley history yeah, like yeah. i just didn't know about yeah um it's funny because like my mom owns the the flower shop that used to be uh, el capitan uh, theater oh okay and um there's a lot of history when my when my parents bought the the building uh we're walking around and we like you should check it out mm-hmm. honestly uh one day maybe we can go and you can check it That'd out be awesome. um like there's a upstairs area and all around the walls there's people like what they're like what they wrote like oh you know like just a class of whatever like from back then oh, so and then, like there's like writings on the wall inscriptions like, there yeah yeah and um, back when it was a movie theater yeah exactly okay. and then uh, we had all these old movie posters oh like, really yeah boxes Dude, that's awesome and um it, there's so much history that i didn't know about you know well because like where would you learn that yeah exactly like i mean you grew up in far so you know mm-hmm. if you had a family member who was like who had heard about the riot or was there yeah. or like you know whatever they could tell you about it but it's like i grew up like three towns over and yeah how where 
do you learn about that? Like not in school. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> where are they going to teach you that? <laughs> you know, so so like that's that's like like this fundamental thing we got going on down here is like mm-hmm. people don't really know. People, you know, there's this uh, amnesia that it's like maybe ten years back, and then like nobody knows very much before that, especially yeah, exactly. pre-internet. Oh, you know? dude, definitely. It, it's just like it's like it never even happened, yeah. and uh, especially down here. Yeah. That, yeah, and then when I found out about that, like, um, it made me upset that I didn't know about that, and I lived so close to it, to that, you know, when it where it happened, and I realized like I got to do a part, I got to do my part. If I'm playing aggressive music, right. And this is like a real heavy subject, and it, it hit close to home. And I just felt like I got I got to write this. I have to do did it. You, like, did you guys like intentionally try to incorporate any like the song structure from the corridos? Because like I feel like from you know what I remember about the song, like it's got this mm-hmm. kind of like it, it seemed to have a similar structure to uh-huh. it's like a normal corrido, like where you kind of like you kind of like introduce the idea and then you kind of like tell a story in a series of stanzas uh-huh. and then it's got like a little refrain, but it's not, it didn't feel like, like a, just like a normal song with verses and choruses. Like it felt more like a story. It, it's through. weird. Yeah. Like, cause with my, with my writing, it's usually just narrative. Mm-hmm. Like just tell if I, with songs that had to do like a certain subjects, I'm, it's like, I'm real like hard on myself. Like I really don't like some of the stuff. Right. But when it's like about telling a story, that's where I flourish more. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I mean, uh it's weird because like Nas is my favorite rapper and he's like the best storyteller like ever and i think that's where i get like some ideas of writing like a story so when i when i heard about it i just like try to put myself in the shoes of like of that time or when it happened and i I read a bunch of i read a bunch of things up on it articles and then i even spoke to some people really just to get more information it's weird because i did some research but i wanted it to be as accurate as 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 accurate as i could possibly make Mm -hmm. it and um it's weird. I just wrote it, and my friend wrote the song without any idea of what it was going to be about. And it's weird because it just like blended so they well. Fit together. Really, yeah. well. it was a great. Mm-hmm. It was a great song. Like I, I heard it, and it really like excited me. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't know. It, it you get this kind of feeling that like, uh, when when you see other people around who you're not like directly connected with, kind of coming into some of the same. Uh, conclusions and ideas yeah. that you're having on and, and you're like on your own but they're kind of happening all, at all places around you it's it's just kind of it's very exciting it's like it's like oh shit like this it's time for these ideas to really take hold because yeah. they're, they're it's popping up on its own in all these different places mm-hmm. and uh it's like it's a critical mass like and 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 you know the consciousness changes of the whole region yeah, yeah you know yeah. but like that kind of stuff it's just when you feel it like it's just built it's this excitement it like makes it you know it's like we gotta work harder on this we gotta like yeah yeah you know uh uh tell more of tell more of this history as well as this musical history i thought about this like man i wish there was a place growing up that i could have learned uh you know how to be chicano like i don't feel like you know i mean like you know it's like i I feel like i mean they're the kids who grow up in other uh, cultures other ethnicities uh, mm-hmm. Especially if they like emigrated to the United States, yeah. that have like there's like a structure for that. Like you can go to, if you're if you're if you're Jewish, you can go to Hebrew school. You mm-hmm. can go to uh, you can go to learn you know about your Asian culture or your Indian culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have these like kind of schools set up all over the place. And it's like I don't yeah, think yeah. we have anything like that here. No, we. I, 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 I and and I think I think partly it's because it's like what you don't know, but like what what do you mean you don't know? Or, like, yeah, you yeah. don't speak Spanish well <laughs> or whatever. You know, it's like yeah. it, and and it can be kind of like intimidating to try to answer into it if you were like raised from birth you know yeah, yeah um and and 
and especially like you know we have like a long history of of that kind of of you know people losing language um because you know your parents or your grandparents were you know whipped at school if they spoke spanish or it was like mm-hmm. or it was you know because of the way that the social climate was it's like it was looked down on to yeah. to be that way so they wouldn't teach their kids because they thought it made their would make their lives easier if they could be more assimilated or more you know more american mm-hmm. and um and to the detriment of those kids when they grow up and they have no connection to their culture they have no yeah, connection yeah like takes away their identity right you know and it's like that's it's sad but mm-hmm. um i yeah i wish there was a way to like yeah. to do it cuz cuz sometimes i, I you, you can feel like you can feel like uh like you're like you're a foreigner like where you live Mm-hmm. Um, that there are all these different kind of valley experiences, and only I've only been in one my whole life. Pretty much, it's like very tied to this music scene, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and it's like you look just like a little bit beyond where where you grew up or what you're comfortable in. It's like, oh man, this this person over here lives completely different from from how I live. You know? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and and and, um, and I and and they w- they probably would think I'm a tool, you know, if I talk to them or whatever. <laughs> um, so so yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know the answer for that shit is. Read, yeah. read some books read some good books yeah pretty much um, probably uh my mom told me a story when she first went to college she had a, a roommate who was from i guess she was from like new mexico mm-hmm. and uh and she came you know she's going to school here in san antonio and when that roommate went back to you know visit her parents she's like dad did you know we're chicano you know, and he's like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think uh, there is a Save by the Bell episode, the college years. Oh, that's a good episode. Slater, Slater didn't know. Yeah, like, yeah, well, like nobody knew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Albert Clifford Slater. Yeah, no, I, was, I remember that episode so well. I remember yeah. watching it. And, you know, it's funny because, like, it just popped up again. Like, people were sharing it. I don't know if it was, like, on some, oh, really? it was on some website. You know, it was, oh, okay. like, I don't know, it was on Me Too or something like that where there's, like, oh, the, the, the episode where Slater is, like, inner Chicano awoken or whatever. Uh, but but I remember that episode as him saying Mexican, not Chicano. Like when yeah, I yeah. when I saw it when I was a kid, it's like, why do you care about all this stupid Mexican stuff anyway? It's because I'm Mexican. And then, and then I watched it again. I'm like, oh, he says Chicano, and I'm like, whoa! Like I didn't even know what that word meant. That's like a Mandela effect. Totally, no, Bernstein Bears, alternate histories. No, yeah, I remember seeing it. I mean, it was like on primetime on NBC Word, when they would yeah. show it. Like, I was like a kid. Me and, me and Adam would watch it. We're like, and then it was this isn't as cool as Save by the Bill, but it's the right. closest thing we can get to it. Right. So it's I'll not, be happy. It's not as wacky. It's very serious. Yeah. College yeah. issues. But, but what's, what's crazy is like it is never brought up again. <laughs> it's like after that, it's like he's, I guess, like he for, he doesn't care anymore. Like, yeah. he, like he's, he broke up with the girl and doesn't care anymore <laughs> or, or whatever, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. But, but no, no, like a lot. That episode, like looking back on it, especially is like, whoa, yeah. you know, like it's 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 um, uncommon, yeah, you know, yeah, to be yeah. like talking about that specific. I feel like it, they got into those subject matters because it was college, and in college you get exposed yeah. to things like that. Screech gets an STD for the first time. We what? For real? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm like, saying no like way. on a very special <laughs> Saved by the Bell. Um, Maybe now, yeah. For sure. yeah. <laughs> Poor Screech. So, um. I, you, when did you guys finish filming? I know you guys. You're supposed to well, we, come out when. Okay. Like. Uh, so so we 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 finished our first cut like a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and so we're actually I just came from. Uh, we're working on the second edit right now, mm-hmm. so we finished it. Like we really, really, really uh, burned the midnight oil and just worked overtime to get the first cut done 
uh, in in order to be able to submit it for for South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to hit that deadline. You know, hit the deadline, hit the deadline. So we did that. Then we're like, okay, we both feel like we're gonna fucking die. So we we <laughs> took a little we took a little time off. We took yeah. like a few weeks off just to decompress. Like I was, I I think I was sick for two months. Like oh I could God. I couldn't shake a cold because of the stress. Yeah. And uh, and and then and then he and and Ronnie got sick like close to the end as well. Like we're we were just like shells of human beings like by yeah. the time we submitted it and so so we just uh last week started getting back together to work on it so we're we're probably going to actually shoot a little bit more but mm-hmm. nothing major like the movie is pretty much set we're just um working on the pacing a little bit mm-hmm. and making sure it's not um doesn't go too fast or too slow in certain places mm-hmm. and and uh and if we if we were able to come across some like better you know footage from older shows or photos mm-hmm. or whatever we have time to put those in before yeah. it's done done yeah you got drone shots right yeah I uh, I saw jeff, that on jeff anton's mm-hmm. uh he plays in noble insect and like the palatines it's fucking such a sweet guy yeah i he started kind of like going to shows and being in the scene mm-hmm. right at the time that i wasn't going to shows as much because of the baby mm-hmm. and so i hadn't really met him in person until um until I did uh, some stuff for the Palatines, and um, he he's like you know really nice, and he's got the, you know been practicing with his drone for a while, and I saw some of the stuff he had shot, and we talked, and 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 he was super game to to go and do it with us, and yeah. so we we went and you know just got like cool aerial shots of the valley. We got the Freight Fender Water Tower. We got the board. Oh, I saw that. That one was sick. I was like, wow, it was like the closest I've seen. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Man, that was that was really cool. Like we was, <laughs> because, you know, we started we started the project really like with one camera, mm-hmm. not really knowing how to use it very well. Like I think in some of the interviews you can see like as we go forward we we steadily like know what we're doing. More. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh but hope but it's peppered throughout cuz like we didn't shoot them in order or anything. So like mm-hmm. you know, hopefully it doesn't, you know, whatever. But those shots god damn like they gave all this production value it's like Ooh, yeah like, we really knew what we were doing like check this out you know <laughs> uh and i remember we were watching like uh the drone because you can like stream it to the ipad or whatever he was mm-hmm. controlling it and we could like watch it on the ipad and we we're just like giggling how cool it was <laughs> you know um es- especially because it's like this just this thing you know it's like essentially just uh we've had a, a few people help like eric Vasquez helped us film mm-hmm. some stuff jeff helped film some stuff um carlos Ochoa did some stuff with us for it as well but like it's primarily just been two people working on it the whole time mm-hmm. and uh and to see something like that it was like we never in a million years thought we could do that yeah like when you started the project yeah so at that point you're like holy and shit it's, and, it's like, like, and it feels like more more grand you know yeah it's definitely like, it's not just about the music in the valley it's about the valley too mm-hmm. and um and you know for hopefully like if you know in a wide release like if people outside of this place get to see it they need to understand and care yeah, about yeah, the yeah. place you know it can't be so specific that unless you really had to be there dude it was awesome you know like yeah because yeah, yeah. if, if it's like that you will people who are, are not part of it will just tune it right out you know so mm-hmm. you have to make people care why does it matter why is it important why does this place matter yeah you know sure. and uh and so yeah, just like telling kind of like a broad yeah, and then when the when the trailer dropped, it got a lot of traction. Like it, it spread. It was like a nuts. Lot. It was super nuts. Yeah. Like we got reached out to by NPR, the Texas Monthly, mm-hmm. um, like the New York Times. Like you know, it's like wow. it was. That was like I don't think we were we were expecting people to be interested in it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it just like snowballed when in this crazy way, and then it was expectations. like holy crap, we better not fuck this up yeah you're you know like, what i mean like shit. oh maybe we shouldn't release tra- you, you, you have that moment where you're like wow this is amazing 
holy shit like we really have to do this now you know <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah and and uh it's a lot of responsibility it's like a ton of responsibility but yeah i mean like for for the last year or so that's been this thing that we've just been driving towards driving towards driving towards mm-hmm. um I've like been doing a lot fewer records like in the last year oh, because of it, because between that and the, you know, and yeah. being home with the baby and stuff. And, uh, and that's kind of nuts. Like I'm used to being here in the studio, you know, like six days a week mm-hmm. since I was 15, you know, I started working in a studio in Westaco when I was in high school and, uh, with the same console actually, like this oh, was shit. at the first studio master productions in Westaco off 10, 15. And, um, and this, this studio, this, this console got like bought and sold like five times. And then I, when I, when I came to sound of rain, where we're yeah. at now, uh, and I met my partner for the first time and I walked in, uh, my partner, Rome Trevino, and I walked in and I saw the console. I was like, Holy shit. That's the Angela. That's the console. <laughs> like, and I, and I was like pointing, I was like, Oh, that like Mark there. Like I dropped yeah, I something gonna, uh, on it. You know, <laughs> I was about to ask, did you like etch something oh, yeah, like yeah, a certain yeah, mark like, or you're like, my that's mine off that paint for sure. Okay. You know? <laughs> and um and and it was just like oh like an old like an old friend you know yeah and yeah, yeah. uh and and yeah like i mean i was tripped out the first time i came here because uh roland had built this place primarily like as a personal studio private studio mm-hmm. and he i guess this was like maybe 2013 or so and he uh was recording a band of friends of his just to kind of make sure that it all worked yeah so um so they had, you know had just finished setting the studio up for the first time mm-hmm. And he was recording this band called the Chimmies. They were just like some friends of his. Mm-hmm. And they had, that band had performed somewhere. And my cousin, uh, Sean Elliott, had met them. And he's uh, he's from here originally, but he grew up in Florida. Mm-hmm. And he had just moved back to the Valley um, after he'd been living in Florida like his whole life pretty much. Like we grew up, we were, you know, close to the same age. So we grew up together. And then he moved yeah. away and I like, didn't see him for years. And uh, he moved back down. He he's a hip hop artist, so he um, he produces music. And he went to he went to Full Sail, I believe. And he also, um, you know, he him and him and this other guy, Lamar Jones, they created this like program to teach uh, kind of like at risk youth how to produce their own music and record themselves. And stuff. So they mm-hmm. did like this after school program and stuff. He's really amazing dude. That's awesome. So, but he he just happened to meet this band at a show. Mm-hmm. And they invited him to come guest rap on one of um, their songs. Mm-hmm. And so he came out here and he posted a picture on Facebook of the studio. And I called him like immediately. I was like, <laughs> where are you? And he says, oh, I'm like, like, I don't know, like two minutes from your house. Wow. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like at that time I was recording at my house uh, over here near near university. Yeah. When uh, I was heading over here, I thought that's where it was. At. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, like I used to record not far from here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had been looking for space for a while. Mm-hmm. I had been uh, recording um, various various places. Like, I just didn't have a permanent place to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were, my house, I was living in a, my house was a studio that I lived in. It wasn't like a house. Yeah, that I remember a uh, <laughs> my older band when we were called Regulate. We recorded a song. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did re- wait, did Regulate record Clustered? No, no, was but it was that, was that at my house or was that like in Westlaco? Uh, there was two of them. There was, uh, wait. Because we recorded that song clustered, one with you I and then one with Richard. Yeah. <laughs> I totally have it here. You can call me up, dude, and be like, hey, do you have that song that we recorded yeah. back in 2008? But like, I got that shit. Uh, but like, so so I've been recording there. So so mm-hmm. I, I, I told him like, hey, man, can you ask whoever's place that is mm-hmm. if it's okay if I come with you the next time you go out there? And and he did. And uh, Roland 
the guy who owns this building, this this you know my partner here in the studio, he, he said, yeah, yeah, your cousin can come or whatever. And so I came out here and we just chatted a little bit and we hit it off. And then he had to go and do something. He has he has other businesses that he had to you know he had something he had to take care of. Mm-hmm. And he left and the band was kind of like waiting. And I was just like, well, I can just do these punch-ins, you know. So I just like, yeah. I like sat down and like we started doing the punch-ins. And he came back and we we're like done with the song onto the next song. And he was like, oh, cool. Like, and so we hung out. We, you know, we were, we vibed well. And, and, um, and I was like, hey, I got some stuff. Like, we'll, do you think I could like maybe bring some of like, my gear over? And he was like, yeah, yeah for sure. And so, um, I just started kind of like moving in. <laughs> you know, I brought, I started bringing some, some equipment and some yeah. guitars. And then we, then we talked and kind of like came up with, you know, how, how, how things are going to run. And, and, and so I started working primarily out of here and mm-hmm. sometimes at my house. And then now it's like almost all here and a little yeah. bit at my house. Like I'll mix at my house sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's just grown and grown and grown. You know, we're always changing things. We're always improving, always getting yeah, new stuff, yeah. always, you know, rewiring stuff. It's like yeah. it never ends. Um, but, but no, it's been pretty, pretty amazing to like be in a, you know, professional space for the first time Yeah, yeah. that, that we have like control over that we can change things if they don't work or whatever. Mm. And, and, um, and like, I don't think. I think now there's a f- uh, maybe like one or two studios in the valley that that are like this that are geared towards that same community, mm-hmm. which is a it's like a complete change from like where it used to be where, you know, you couldn't go anywhere to record if you were like yeah. a rock band and now you have like all these options which is like yeah. you know, it's like we got we're here, um, you know Richard's doing his thing in Wasico, um, uh, Adrian Loetta in Brownsville. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you know Adrian? He was in, uh, he was in the band no. White Zebra back in the day. Oh no, he's got this bank, a studio called Creative Cave. Mm-hmm. beautiful place like i helped him wire it up um and you know josh lopez widowmaker you know like mm-hmm. there's all these there's all these places for bands to go now and like yeah, yeah, yeah. cafeina here in mission like these places didn't exist before yeah and now there's like that i always wanted that like community yeah yeah and and uh everyone is like has really good quality too and it's it's it yeah. sounds awesome it's like awesome and, and there's like there's options for bands mm-hmm. um and, and that's like super empowering what's super empowering yeah. the local musicians definitely yeah, to have access to that for the first time yeah. you know uh who are you recording right now like any let's see yeah right now uh i'm mixing uh a record for the writing season they're mm-hmm. doing a new ep we're mixing that right now um i just finished mixing some songs for this new band called apache pistol mm-hmm. uh that are coming out soon and um i'm doing uh finishing up a record for 40 caliber kiss soon and so like it's a lot of like rock stuff right now yeah, yeah. producing a little bit of pop music with some some local artists right now um so like it's i'm doing more kind of finishing work right now like i'm not mm-hmm. tracking anybody currently um i did uh i think i'm gonna be doing a palatine the palatine's record early okay. next year We're just kind of trying to figure out when mm-hmm. and uh we recorded we recorded uh a couple of songs like a month ago Oh yeah, I saw Javi post some videos. Yeah, he was like, yeah. he was like, Javi was like standing on Richard's back, like yeah, doing yeah. guitar solo. It's very kind of like S and M, you know. Like Richard's yeah. like Javi's gimp, but like, no, it was cool. Like they recorded a song for. Um, there's a, uh, a Teenage Bottle Rocket tribute compilation coming out, so we okay. did a song for that. We recorded a, um, a headbanger, and uh, and then they recorded one of their original songs. And they really, mm-hmm. it was really came out really well and yeah. they were like, we want to do a record you know here yeah, so that band is really fucking good like i saw them at yet video i think for the first mm-hmm. time like a month or two ago and i was just blown away did you like, did you like, ever oh, hear shit. down and out did you hear hobby's old band uh did they have a song called 
broken bottles. Not broken bottles. Uh, something bottles. I actually don't know any titles. Okay, I, I remember I, hearing one like online, like on some real like obscure website. Because uh-huh. I remember I googled it because I wanted to check it out, yeah. and I found uh, it was like one of those how you said like purevolume.com right, or something right. like yeah, that. Yeah, I totally. found it. I, I found I, it in one of those. All of my down and out songs are like it's just track one, track two. I don't know what the titles <laughs> okay, are anymore, yeah, yeah. but um. That band was really awesome. Mm-hmm. They were they were around from pretty early. They were like like um, Woody was the singer or one of the other singer for that band, mm-hmm. and uh, he passed away uh, a few years back. But he 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 was um, like him and him and Javi and and uh, and Rick and and um, like they they started the band. And they were just like I yeah. mean, they were so tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, those I think I want to say Arno did that record. It sounds superb. Like mm-hmm. it's just a really really cool but like yeah I, and then how and then have moved away for a few years mm-hmm. and then he came back and i guess he was he was ta- he's a tattoo artist so he's tattooing and, and yeah. uh and then he's like wanted to get back into, into the music again and like they just like formed this awesome band yeah right off the dude, bat, so know? good and richard's like amazing bass player like mm-hmm. the low ends and baseborn are just like super awesome bands yeah um and he's like one of the nicest people of all mm-hmm. time like richard's one of the <laughs> sweetest people of all time and uh actually we did um it was for Baseborn. Like we did a four or five song like EP. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was like early this year. This would have been in like January or February. It hasn't come out yet. Okay. And it was like we. It was cool. Was we recorded the whole thing, and then it was mixed to a cassette tape. We were mixed to a cassette tape, mm-hmm. um, and when we played it back, it was like yes, it's like totally sounds right. Yeah. Like it sounds. It totally sounds right. We're we're actually trying to capture like a little bit of that that late 90s like four track cassette vibe oh, okay and yeah. and to me like the first records that i really listened to all sound like that they all sound yeah. like they're off a cassette tape and i had uh, i had the 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 old malcontent but the we suck demo before they were malcontent party i okay. had that on tape and i played it till it broke i've been looking for another copy Shit. of it because i want to digitize it i've listened yeah. to it every day i had the, wow. the, the the we suck tape the first the inkback record mm-hmm. and there was a compilation called songs from the ramp volume three or two I think it was volume three. Mm-hmm. There was no volumes one or two. It was just like just volume three. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and I had those three those three local tapes, and I listened to them all the time. Like I had one of those shitty like Iowa boomboxes or whatever. Okay, listened yeah. to it till it, till they wore out, till they warped. Wow. Did they re-record those songs? Or? Uh, no. I we we were able to uh, digitize the comp mm-hmm. and uh, the ink bag record, but I have not been able to find the We Suck tape. I have mm-hmm. like asked so many people. Uh, it might just be gone. Oh, no. <laughs> it may it's just so be lost sad. history. I, I'm sure it's out there. You yeah. Know? Uh, that's the other thing. Like the second part of this like documentary project is we're trying to like archive as much music mm-hmm. as we can. So people have been loaning us tapes and CDs and records and reel to reels and like all this stuff. And we're, Shit, we're digitizing it all. Reels? Wow. Yeah. We we've we've transferred a few reel to reels. I got to transfer this two inch tape like uh, like a 24 track two inch master tape mm-hmm. of Esteban Jordan like like it was a, it was a it was a song that like no like obviously not punk this like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but but yeah <laughs> it was like nobody had listened to it since like 1977 since it was recorded oh, wow. his brother Bonifacio uh brought it to me and 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 I had to like put it in a food dehydrator for two days to bake it because it was like in a shed and if you if you try to play a tape that hasn't been uh, that's been stored in in high humidity, uh-huh. it'll just like come apart because water gets into the tape and uh, the binder um, comes apart. So like it'll just like peel. 
shit. And so you have to you have to basically bake it at a low temperature for a long number of hours to pull <laughs> the moisture so out wild. to reactivate yeah. the binder. And so I had I bought a food dehydrator just to do that. And like <laughs> and so so I had it there cooking for like two days. And then took it out. You're like you, working on a record here. Yeah, and you're like having it <laughs> out in the hallway. And you and then and then you have to let it cool for the same as for like another two days. You have to let it uh-huh. cool down, and then you can play it. Fuck. And then, but you have to like test it. If it's still, if it's still like you, if you rub it with like a white cloth and like uh-huh. the, and it comes off black, bake it for another day or whatever, another few mm-hmm. hours. Uh, and so we got to like transfer the. You know, I mean, like people have uh, been like giving us access to this incredible music that like nobody yeah. has heard and you feel like you're in a time machine like you're listening to it like i'm the first person to hear this in th- 20 years 30 years 40 years Fuck. it's amazing and so we're trying to figure out like what the best way to put some of this out is to share it with other people uh we've talked to um we've talked to the university about putting some of it in their border music archive mm-hmm. but it would be nice if we could make it more accessible than that mm-hmm. uh I, you know, some sort of internet-based thing. We just got to figure it out because, like, we're dealing with, like, other people's music. So yeah, yeah. we don't want to uh, violate anybody's copyrights or, um, you know, like, their wishes for their music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think generally, like, a lot of these, a lot of folks are are happy that people are interested in something mm-hmm. they did 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. You know, they're, like, some of the some of the folks from, like, the 60s bands are just, like, if you told me I'd be sitting here in 2016 talking about this band I was in when I was, you know, 16 years old uh, in the early, in the mid 60s, like I'm told you're freaking crazy, you know, <laughs> and 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 so, you know, like there's just not been very much focus on the music of this region uh, that doesn't fit like a particular cultural narrative. Like you mm-hmm. know, there's interest. It's been some interest in like the Tex-Mex music and the Tejano music and the Cuanhuto music and stuff, but. Um, it's 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 always taken on its own and it's not it's part of like a larger picture and mm-hmm. so so that's that's part of what we're trying to do and and trying to like expose people to you know to like not see them as being separate yeah you yeah. know like our scene the 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 rock hard heavy music scene punk hardcore metal like all these things we're all connected to that music mm-hmm. whether we like it or whether we don't like it like you're either down here you are defined by it in one way or another either you're embracing it or you're rejecting it yeah, yeah, you know, it's like peop- somebody in the Midwest, like in Ohio or whatever, they're not deciding to be into punk rock in opposition to the Hana music. You know, <laughs> yeah, people here are, and yeah. so and 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 that and there's that like distinction, you know. So whenever when I like I chatted with uh, with Bobby from Inkbag, like we were at a show and he was asking like how the move was going, mm-hmm. and I just like learned about some of this like '70s music that I thought was pretty fucking amazing, and uh, and in a sense to to us you know, kind of the way we're our operating kind of thesis is like, that is the punk music of its day. Mm-hmm. It's, it predates punk by like, you know, sonically it's not similar really. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. I mean, but you can arguably light. say that the Bolka kind of sounds like a punk beat, <laughs> like yeah. being at the protest kind of like melded that together. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, they're not stylistically like necessarily connected. However, yeah. it is, um, it is, uh, Joel West is uh, an author and a professor wrote a book about um it's called lost blank beat and it's about mm-hmm. something he calls the punk unconscious and it's how that there are these movements in history before punk music before punk the punk movement that have these like certain rebellious elements these certain they share common elements in terms of yeah. like the things that they're about and once punk became punk everything after that is called punk 
but prior to that, they were called the Beats. They're called the Blank Generation. They're called the, the Lost Generation. Yeah. And they, you know, they're, um, they're, they're, you know, thumbing their nose at societal norms. They're class conscious. They're, they have a DIY ethic. Um, they're, you know, sometimes in many cases they have like a name that's like given to them that they don't call themselves. Yeah, yeah. And all of these traits are shared by this Chicano movement in the seventies. Like they're very much in the same spirit. Yeah. And so, like, I was we're ta- I was talking to Bobby about this, and he was kind of like, eh, you know, I don't know, I don't like, I still don't like that music. And I was like, well, <laughs> hopefully, like, you know, when the movie's done, you'll maybe see it in a different way. Yeah. And uh, we'll realize that, like, even though you don't like it, it's you're still sort of defined by it, whether yeah. you, like, accept it or not, you know? It's like, yeah. and, and, and I think that's something, like, interesting among people in, like, the rock scene down here. Mm-hmm. Is it's like whether or not you like it, it's still it's, it's still, still part, part, it's still of, part you. of who yeah. you are, even if you're just like rejecting it. Yeah, you know? you're not from Ohio. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not, man. You're from, you're from nine five six, dude. Uh, I guess we can go ahead and end it there. All right. I mean, is uh, any, any, any like last turning things you want to plug in? Or uh, anything? well, I mean, uh, definitely like you know on the all of the uh, internet places to like check out the studio or check out mm-hmm. uh check out my thing we're facebook sor studios sound of rain studios um instagram sor studios and all my stuff is charlie villa i kind of like got that unlock on the internet yeah it's, just, it's me and like a soccer player got a villa like we're duking it out you know oh, you just gotta worry if he starts recording bands. yeah right <laughs> well dude actually it's crazy a few years ago some guy from like far or san juan or something was like uh-huh. a dirty cop who was like gonna like testify against some yeah. cartel people and he had like the same name as me oh no like, no 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 and, like he's like that guy's way older than me i was like yeah. you could look my you could look me up online you know what i mean i was like i yeah, don't want yeah, yeah. to get put a bag <laughs> over my head get disappeared yeah. no nah, man th- th- thank you guys for doing this podcast hey, this no is problem, like awesome dude. and this is um i think really exciting that like right now we have you know there's a body of work that's starting to come out mm-hmm. that's about people kind of like trying to think about and talk about and discuss like what it means to be from here. Yeah. Like yeah. what it, what is it actually about? W- who are we instead of like having it imposed on us, you know? And yeah. I think, I think like as we go forward, especially with all the attention that this part of the region of the United States is getting right mm-hmm. now, uh, like the, the more clearly we can have an idea, a, a regional identity that's strong. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be like, you know, doing better when all that stuff, when, when we're not like the unknown corner of the of the the United States anymore, you know, yeah, we're, yeah. we're becoming very visible very rapidly, yeah. And uh, so, like, the more stuff like this that's happening is awesome, and yeah, and like also, um, I had been wanting to do this for a long time, mm-hmm. but they didn't know how or whatever. But then I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm actually gonna go for it. I have a lot of stories with friends, and then I was also wanted to go beyond that. Like me and you, we don't. This is like the longest we've ever talked. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's awesome. And like, see, I wanted to do things like this right interviews now interviews are crazy like that yeah. like uh there are people that we interviewed for the film that mm-hmm. i've known for my entire life almost yeah. and that interview is the longest we've ever talked in a straight session of of talking yeah. and you learn so much about these people that you've known forever yeah and uh and then you and and especially like you know you're gonna like edit this interview you're gonna listen to it several times yeah we watched those interviews like a thousand times you know it's like two hours three hours of talking watch it over and over and over and uh you you pick up on all these little things and like we would be editing an interview and 
that, that we recorded like a year ago. Yeah, yeah. And then I would like run and bump into that person like somewhere. And then I would feel like I just hung out with them. But we had a conversation two years ago, you know, yeah, <laughs> and I was yeah. like, why are you being like all nice? You know, it's like, boop. oh, that's right. Yeah. People have been saying that when you listen to podcasts, they feel like they're hanging out yeah. and shit. And it's like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, also shout out to uh, Bobby and Andres for doing their uh, podcast Absolutely. too, because those actually encouraged me to actually want to do this too. Yeah. So uh, I like how. There's a community building on like that too, and there's plenty. Awesome. There's plenty of like there's plenty of things to talk about. There's plenty Definitely. of kind of like angles. Um, this is a very like we barely like, scratched the surface of oh, f- of yeah. the stories. Of uh, like the scene, let alone the region. Yeah, we we can have a part two for sure. We're we're definitely have a part two and talk about like the early scene days. And that, like, that would be all that. You shit. know, like it's funny because I would be listening to your interviews with other people, and I'd be yeah. like, no, 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 before that, like way yeah. before that. <laughs> Uh, and in 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 and uh, and that's kind of like the crazy thing. It's just like every yeah. group of kids or whatever they grow up, and it's like if you don't really know anything you uh, that happened before you, you're just like you assume you invented it all. <laughs> and in some cases, you kind of have to because yeah. if, if there's no like continuity, you're just kind of like yeah. I guess we're just gonna do this or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess we're gonna uh, book a show here, or um, how do you book a show? I guess I gotta read, figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but. Yeah, I don't know. Like in learning and learning about all these things that happened before and stuff, it's very uh, comforting. Like it, 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 it feels really amazing to be part of like a lineage, mm-hmm. and you can draw strength and you can draw pride from that, and you can, um, you can project that out into the community and into the future and stuff. And and um, I don't know. It's it's empowering. It's empowering to be part of something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's like time. It's time that people. Uh, here especially artists and stuff have a greater sense of that you know mm-hmm. that they're part of something not just you know doing something in a corner of the country that nobody gives a shit about or whatever it's because yeah. it's not true you know it's like a, a, it's a terrible like thing we tell ourselves it's just yeah. not true no yeah it's not um, but no man uh, I'm excited I'm excited uh, you know I hope you guys make it to like 100 episodes. Oh, yes. Hopefully. <laughs> episode one is easy. Episode 12 is hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I start, I got lazy. I haven't put out like an episode in like almost two weeks, but finals and shit. Mm-hmm. So That's yeah. right. That's right. That's so hopefully uh, next week we'll, this one will come out and all that right stuff. Right on, so. man. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure.